0: Howdy! Joining me today to discuss the best films of 2021 are Cody Geefer and Aaron Heckathorn, just like last year, but also Logan Denning, who's been on this podcast several times and is my co-host on History and Film. We had plenty to discuss, so it looks like we're going to need to split this one into two episodes, but it was a great discussion and I hope you enjoy it.
1: Aaron, I saw your KU Cup. Did you watch the game last night?
2: <laughs> yes, I did.
1: That was a good game.
2: It was a good game. Well, I was mad, though, because the Duke-North Carolina game, like, they were, like, going to that, and I was like, we just went into overtime. Like, I don't care about yes. the first five minutes of, well, it's, I get it. only but... because
1: it was, it was What's-His-Face's last game. Coach
2: K, yeah, yeah. And it Still was annoying. <laughs> absolutely
1: beautiful that he lost it.
2: Oh. It, mm.
1: Couldn't be happier. Yes.
0: That's I mean, that's that's cold, man. That's cold. And the uh, <laughs> is it a? Uh, oh, I hate him.
3: A, I hate him. Not for a North Carolina fan, Rich. Oh, good
0: call. Um, is that his? Now his last home game, I presume. Because this...
3: last home game,
1: yes. yeah. Right. Okay, and okay. it's just he lost the last game at the court that is named after him by 13 points to his arch rival. Oh, it's just beautiful. <laughs>
2: I don't know about beautiful, but it was just pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Does that just kind of go to show that life doesn't always go as planned, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> With like Tom Brady uh, I was gonna say graduating, retiring this year, and it's like why why didn't he retire one year earlier and go out with the Super Bowl win? It's so I just assumed he was gonna play for another five and then you he You think
3: he's actually retiring?
0: Yeah. No, he'll go to San Francisco.
1: Whatever.
3: I think he's coming back. Yeah. He's gonna come
1: back. Let's bet on that. Let's bet on that. <laughs> well, I don't know. The Bucks said the Bucks said they wouldn't allow him. Oh really? Wait,
3: Rich, I will I will bet you one tombstone mug when you come to Arizona <laughs> that Tom Brady does not retire. <laughs> like he will play this fall? Just to clarify. Uh, or or sorry, sorry, wrong. he
0: will play you he will play another NFL game again. Yeah. Okay, I'll take I'll take that bet. If he does I'll buy I'll you, bet a, you a mug. If he mug. does, I'll buy you a mug. And then if <laughs> he right. doesn't, you gotta buy me a mug, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'll queen, buy you like a no, Queen Elizabeth, Elizabeth mug or something. <laughs> this gets into all the our, our history and film stuff. Anyway. So, my first question for anybody in no particular order here is Did you get to the theater more than 2020 in 2021?
1: Yes, I think you had to, or like,
0: inevitably, yeah. as things open back yeah. up. Okay. But I know, I know some of you have maybe talked about not necessarily because it's like, oh, I just kind of prefer watching things at home now, but.
1: Oh, I much prefer, but it just wasn't as available. I had to go to theaters for some.
3: Yeah, I, I did go to the theaters more, but yeah, only only the times that I had to. So, like, Dune, Spider-Man, you know, the big one. I, I had to go see them if they were not being released either on, like, Disney or HBO or, or whatever. But, oh, any chance I get. And that's that's not a pandemic thing. Like, <laughs> for the rest of my life, if there is a movie that is in theaters or i can stream it at home i'm streaming it at home 10 times out of 10
1: uh exact same way and i because i I hate going to the theater now the year that everything (laughs) was available for streaming it was the greatest thing ever and if i don't have to go to the theater i won't
3: yep pants are optional (laughs) oh my god (laughs) you can go to the bathroom whenever you want you can pause rewind put on subtitles
2: Okay, subtitles. I agree with, but I will argue some of them. I'm glad I saw in the theater, like drive my car because, mm. like, it you know had my intention the whole time, and it's a three hour slow burn film. So, like, that was good. You know, and I think some of them I was excited to see in the theater. I also like like the local theater here, and I want to support it. But I also like you know watching films at home. So a mix of both.
1: <laughs> there is one movie we'll get to it later, but I wish I would have seen it in theaters. But we'll get to it when we get
0: there. Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of a mix of both as well. I, I kinda, it just, It's an extra time commitment. It's an extra hour to 90 minutes to commit to to go to a movie if I got to drive to the theater and get there before the showtime. And, oh, man, the Regal now, of course, has 25 minutes of trailers and stuff before the show actually starts. So, yeah, yeah, I get all that. But then some things, are, there is just kind of the experience of being in a theater, the undivided attention, like Aaron was saying. And I think that the being able to pause can sometimes almost be a crutch in a weird way. That said, I probably did lost, watch most of everything we're going to talk about at home. And then a few, like Logan was saying, I kind of had to go to the theater.
3: It's a financial thing, too. Well, especially true. if, because uh, like for me, if I go to the theater, I'm almost always going with at least one other person. I'm usually with my wife or my wife and daughter. So it's like, and take movie tickets are like 10 bucks. A matinee might be like $8. But if I can see that same movie, even if I have to pay for it. On on-demand, you know, or streaming for like twenty bucks—that's it's saving money too. Yeah, so that's a good Just point. another reason to not go to the theater.
0: <laughs> and then my other question was going to be, and we talked a little bit about this last year, I think, but it's harder to tell. I feel like what quote counts as a movie anymore, and and we're going to talk <laughs> about this as we go throughout this whole thing. But like a hundred years ago, I feel like it's pretty clear. Like this is a radio program, this is a movie, this is a play. This is a book, and now I feel like all those lines are really, really blurred, and again, maybe some of that's just going to kind of get to as we talk, but what are your guys' criteria when it comes to deciding not just what counts for your list, but what counts as a feature movie?
1: Yeah, I kind of think it as if it was in theaters at some point, and then it, then it can be considered for an Oscar movie, because there's a difference for me between an Oscar movie and then like a movie, like a, I don't know, like a Netflix one.
0: Netflix movies are now eligible.
1: But but because they show them in theaters, right? Right,
0: right. Um, And I still always wonder, like, why were they never showing HBO TV movies in theaters 20 years ago to get them them eligible? And and I don't know. I don't know.
3: Mm -hmm. To me, it's anything... So there's a... A length requirement, I guess, would be, mm-hmm. like, number one. And uh, I would say it's j- it's the length requirement for what what it needs to be for... Th- I, I don't even know what it is for feature-length film for the Oscar. Do you know, Rich, off the top of your the head? The minimum,
0: I think it's 45 minutes. I think it's under 45 minutes, it's a short. If it's over 45 minutes, it's a feature, by rule.
3: Okay, so if it's longer than 45 minutes, and it's a moving... <laughs> so you guys just quoting her...
0: Oscar rules.
3: <laughs> no, 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 no. So I, I'm, I'm saying, like, just the length thing. Because, like, a short film, I wouldn't count as a movie okay but anything that's over 45 minutes even something like bo burnham's inside or to use a different example like last year hamilton right i would have counted as a movie i was gonna ask that Mm because we kind of
0: all decided not to count it and that's what what i was gonna ask about you would count it so
3: here's the thing because it is more than just a stationary camera look you know recording a performance it is it's multiple takes over multiple performances with close-ups, with editing, with camera movement, and the editing and it, that is used to enhance the story, that is filmmaking, and that counts as a movie, even if the subject of the movie is a stage musical.
1: See, I disagree, with, because I think of it as, like, if you record a concert and they put it on Netflix, like, Beyonce's done it, Taylor has done it, and I've watched it a million times they use editing they use multiple cameras this one they only did one show is a show in dallas but like to me that is not considered a movie even though they just did the things that you were talking about like the editing different camera angles things like that
0: read a concert film yeah to
1: me it's just a record. it's a
3: recording of an entertainment thing good counterpoint maybe but the, but the play <laughs> has like the narrative structure too and i would even say that something like uh make happy which is a past bo burnham special specifically uses editing as a comedic device for the special that people in the audience that were seeing him on stage would not have gotten because it's jokes that he makes using cuts from different shows that he recorded. Right. So I would even say that that would count as a movie that's also
0: less of a traditional narrative like it's not necessarily telling a story yeah
2: yeah i'm gonna go ahead and agree i i I don't think that like a recording of a performance would be considered a film i'm gonna fall with cody on that one sorry
3: (laughs) isn't every movie though a recording of a performance
2: oh man
3: (laughs) shots fired okay I don't know I'm just I'm just I'm just being a dick now.
2: With several <laughs> takes and edits and rewrites, so no, I I don't.
3: <laughs> right, but <laughs> then when, yeah, But then you can also look at like a
0: Spinal Tap, where if it's a lot of it's improvised and not necessarily written, and and so it, I don't know. It, again, there's gonna be more movies that come up throughout. that will kind of continue this conversation. I do think it, I don't actually have a good answer. I I, I, I wanted to say it's you nope, know, it's a traditional fictional narrative that was written and acted and performed and all those kinds of things. But, again, the whole reason I ask this question is I just think it's super easy to start blurring those lines and, like, well, this is mostly that, but there's all these little different asterisks that keep coming up. So. Well, and
3: it's, it's weird, too, like, where you choose to make the distinction. So, like, I choose to make a distinction between a short film and a full-length film, which, you know, whatever, that's, like, an arbitrary rule that I have. But, like, Rich, you even make a distinction between, like, a narrative film and a documentary which I don't.
0: Right. I don't consider documentaries for my list even though I don't it doesn't bother me even like I'm trying to think. Did Fahrenheit 911 actually get a best I don't know if anyone's ever actually got a best picture nomination, but like they've been trying to and they are eligible. They just don't ever cross over because a lot of voters probably feel like I do where they, oh, that's a great documentary, but I don't count it. Yeah. But again, it, again, we'll we'll get we'll get to that. So, kind of following on the heels of that, what are again however you define a non-movie but what are some of your non-movie 2021 highlights so obviously tv but you know anything that you don't count that you would count for just best of 2021 stuff people need to watch
1: uh i have three main ones two of them are um, uh, just a new season of a show so righteous gemstones and euphoria
0: Okay, and I've watched the first couple of Euphoria, but I haven't gone beyond that yet. The
1: second season, I feel like the second season wasn't as good as the first, but I still really enjoyed it.
0: Okay. Righteous Gemstones was the other one you said?
1: Yes, it's, Aaron and I were actually just talking about it last (laughs) night. It's a TV, a comedy on HBO, and it is absolutely hilarious. Huh.
0: I okay, I'm not
1: with Danny McBride. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ooh, you I think you might have lost me.
1: <laughs> see, no, I exactly. no, I agree cuz I don't like I don't like him. I don't think he's funny, but this is so it's basically kind of making fun of those super rich pastors, like the mega rich ones. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah, their yeah. La, their last name is is Gemstone and they're like these mega uh, mega churches. Okay.
0: So it's a send-up of Televangelists. Okay.
1: Yes, and John Goodman is the patriarch of the family. Okay. So and then Who's the that Aaron? The guy is the name Adam something.
2: Adam Devine.
1: Adam Devine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He plays one of the sons, and it's hilarious. I love it.
0: Huh. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. What was your third?
1: My third is a short film. Uh, Richie's gonna roll his eyes at me right now. <laughs> it is there is a song called All Too Well. There's a ten minute version of this song, and they made it into a short film. So to me, it's a cro- it's a it's a Taylor Swift song. Um, I think we all knew that. <laughs> And it's basically a video, a short film of this 10 minute song. To me, the song tells the story and then the story, they just played it out on the screen. I made Richie, I tricked Richie into watching it. He absolutely hated it. He's like two minutes into it. He's like, what the hell am I watching? It is, it was one of the most joyous viewing occasions I had this year. It
0: is so bad. It is so bad.
1: I don't, see, I don't, I just, I don't get your, like, I understand you wouldn't like it because you don't care uh, you don't have any aff- affiliation to her or anything but what is i don't know what's bad about it they just told a story the song tells a story and then they put it to video
0: it feels like it was written by a 14 year old it's just so unsophisticated <laughs> and stereotypical and cookie cutter that like there's nothing original or inspired about it
1: I mean it is it is widely known as one of the greatest written songs of all time. Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, it really no, honest to god. I, Honestly, I, I haven't I haven't seen it so I can't say but is that the one is that the one where it's like about her and it's like Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal's Yeah, like, he can die. Relationship story or something? <laughs>
1: yes. 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 He's a bad bad person. Right,
0: but if you don't if you don't know that going in, you're just like well, what is this and why do I care? Like <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I just I had to get it in there. I
1: know that no, I don't expect any of you to watch it. I'm sorry for tricking you into watching it, Richie.
0: <laughs> I want those ten minutes back. Um. So, uh, it, of course, to be fair, it didn't feel like ten minutes. <laughs> it felt like a full a feature length film I'm, for you. I'm still watching it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so mine is honestly the main reason I I've, been, I've I've told probably most or some of you about this already. The whole reason I even want to have this category on here for me, it's hands down the Netflix animated series Arcane. And oh. it's so, so good that if I could count it as one six hour movie with little breaks in between where they roll the credits, it'd be my best picture of the year, my best movie of the year. Like, I absolutely love Arcane. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I do play the video game League of Legends that it is based on, but everything I've read and heard about it is that doesn't matter. And there's people who are coming to the game because they like the show and have fallen in love with the show. and. There's almost no overlap as far as story. Like, I didn't know anything about the story of the show going into it just because I knew some of the characters were in a game. But you would not believe that it's based off of an existing video game. And the comparison I kind of use there is it'd be like watching the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And oh, yeah, it's technically based off of a ride at disney but that's irrelevant to your enjoyment of the first pirates of the caribbean movie and yes they are not as good after the first one but anyway super looking forward to season two of arcane it was my favorite thing from 2021 just bar none so i had to had to bring it up and give it a shout out even though yes it doesn't it doesn't count because it is not a single narrative film
3: (laughs) mine was also a Netflix series. Actually, two, so two Netflix series that I really, really liked that probably would have made this list had they been, you know, eight to ten hour movies. <laughs> uh, one, I Rich, we've talked about before on, I don't remember, I think it was one of your Europe episodes, so I'll keep it brief, but Archive 81, the horror series. Oh, yes. I, I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. It does, like, really creative stuff with, like, perception and even kind of time travel that is... Not done in a way that I'd seen before, and is based off a podcast, which I thought was really interesting. So I liked that one a lot. Uh, but my favorite Netflix series, which also would have been my number one pick had it been a movie, was Midnight Mass. The uh, is that the British one? No, it's uh, it came out around. I think it came out around Halloween. Actually, it takes place in like a small island that has like 150 people on it and without going too much into spoilers because i really really highly recommend it it's really really good and it's actually not that long but some like weird stuff starts happening and there's a uh, a connection with like religion and faith and the church i don't know it's it was just a really well made show really scary a lot of really cool like camera movements and practical effects and long unbroken takes of stuff happening the story was really good. And it was really well made, and I really enjoyed it.
0: Okay, this is all. I don't. know, I don't even care if the listeners are you know listening to all this stuff. I'm writing. I'm writing all this stuff down so I can check it out later. <laughs> Except for the Taylor Swift stuff, of course. Aaron, did you have anything? Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so mine would definitely be the se- I guess the series finale of the Expanse. Have I don't know if any any of you have Mm-mm. heard of the series? Yeah, I have not. Yeah, so it's like set 200 years in the future. And humans have colonized parts of the solar system and Mars. And it's basically like the political conflict between these groups of people. So it's like part sci fi part
0: political thriller,
2: political thriller. Yes. And it's really it's great. Yeah. But yeah, the series finale was this this year. So yeah, would definitely recommend that series. What
0: platform is that on?
2: Uh, So it used to be on Sci-Fi, but Amazon bought it. So you can watch all the seasons on Amazon now.
0: Okay. And Logan, you said both yours were on Netflix?
3: Uh, Yeah, those are both on Netflix.
2: All
0: right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think we can go ahead and get started. Now, any honorable mentions, they can just kind of come up at the end. So for everyone listening, what we're going to do, instead of just kind of going everybody's number 10 and then everybody's number nine, because there's so many repeats, basically, if we all had no overlap we'd have 40 movies if we all had the exact same list we'd have 10 movies so you have a 10 to 40 movie range here uh we will do have 23 movies that'll that'll be discussed but if so anything that doesn't come up we'll just mention at the end as uh an honorable mention but so I'm, i kind of explained it to cody i kind of rated it i don't even i don't know how to explain it. i basically almost did like a track meet where i kind of I scored everything and kind of, this will basically be in reverse consensus order is a simple way to put it. So it's not necessarily exactly going from tens to ones, but it's kind of going from least consensus picks to most consensus picks is the way to say it. Math. So, uh, so we're starting, <laughs> we're starting with my number 10, which is a movie that honestly I almost bumped off at the last minute, but. I just decided it's not getting enough love, and so I'm going to keep it on my list to give it some love, and it is In the Heights, based on the Lin-Manuel Miranda musical that he did before Hamilton. It now gets a movie directed by John Chu, who's the guy who did Crazy Rich Asians, and... It's a 94 slash 94 on Rotten Tomatoes, so everybody loves this movie, and it got zero love at the Oscars, and I'm not saying it needed a Best Picture nomination, but I can't believe it gets snubbed in, like, the musical musical categories. I don't know if you guys saw this one.
3: I did not. I saw the TikToks that were based on the <laughs> songs, though, but I never okay. saw the movie.
0: Okay. It's just fun like i was just grinning the entire time and the story is fairly simple which they are with a lot of musicals including one that won't come up at all today
3: but yeah that's why i made the face when you first said in the heights that's what was in my head i thought that's what you were talking about for a split second
0: should we go can we go the whole thing without saying the movie we're all thinking about (laughs) i hope so i don't want to talk about it if we don't have (laughs) to okay let's not so yeah so in the heights is just so so much fun it's charming I just thought it was so, so much fun. I saw it in the theater, which, again, I think does help. If I had seen it at home, I probably wouldn't have had the same reaction. But I saw it in the theater, was grinning the whole time. The music's fun. It's a fun, little, clever, heartwarming story. I recommend it. It sounds like I'm the only one that's even seen it. So I do recommend In the Heights. And, and again, the scores reflect that. Like, I kind of assume, like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's, like, really low on the critic side or really low on the audience side. But it's like, no, a 94 slash 94, which is one of the highest movies of the year. So, I definitely recommend in the Heights, but not much else to say if no one else has seen it. So we're going to Cody's number ten.
1: All right, my number ten is House of Gucci. It, I don't know how to put it. It's not a very good movie. <laughs> I feel like I, I had a couple. I had a couple of these last year. I'm like, it's not a good movie, but I enjoyed it. Um, I had much higher hopes for it. I. It has Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Al Pacino, Jared Leto, who was hilarious in it and Salma Hayek, a 62 critics, 83 audience, so obviously not very good, and it's basically about Lady Gaga's character, she marries into the Gucci fashion family, and then a lot of things happen, and she ends up hiring a hitman to kill her ex-husband.
0: But it's all based on her story, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Like, she went to jail and everything. She's out okay. of jail now, but she did Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, that That does make it kind of intriguing.
1: I just wish it. I just had really, really high hopes for it. I think I did just because I had Lady Gaga on it. Right. Um, I'm officially over my Adam Driver thing. Just so you guys know, it's not a thing anymore.
0: His anti Adam Driver thing, to be clear. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to ask. Is that does that mean that you like him now or you don't like him now? I didn't know which way you were on it before. He's
0: okay with him now. He no longer hates him, probably.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. I
1: don't have an opinion on him anymore. He's good at what he does. <laughs> okay. So I didn't actually didn't like him in this movie, but. He just seemed very blah and boring to me. I don't know, maybe the real guy is like that. Osama Hayek was pretty cool in it. She's a badass. I think she's beautiful. So, yeah, it was fun to see. I saw it
0: on Thanksgiving. And this is one I did not see. Logan or Aaron, did you see how do you get Gucci?
2: Yeah, I saw it. The acting was um Rough and some okay. parts. Okay. It was a little bit over the top. Cody, I'm sure you can agree with that. I think even yeah, Lady oh, 100%, Gaga's. 100%. Yeah, even her performance was like, okay, like I get the point.
1: <laughs> I think that's why it's not higher on my list. Because it was it was even like I like Jared Leto's character, but it just seemed like a character of a real human and I just refuse to believe a real human acts like that.
2: <laughs> no. For sure, and yeah, some of the accents were atrocious as well, and super yeah. inconsistent, yeah, so. Yep.
0: Okay, there's a lot of people saying that Lady Gaga kind of got snubbed for the Oscars, like they thought, even though the movie wasn't very good, they thought she would still get nominated, so it sounds like, but she was made just too over the top for you guys? I
1: would have nominated her.
0: Okay, okay.
1: But I would have nominated her because of her name, not necessarily her
0: performance. <laughs> <laughs> just because I love her. You're what's wrong with the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> the chewing the scenery thing or the overacting thing does make me think of like a daniel day lewis who i absolutely love daniel day lewis but there's nothing small about his performances typically um so you can definitely get nominated for being over the top that's for sure and sometimes oscars do like those over the top ridiculous performances if they if they stand out but no yeah i i've not seen that one i was kind of interested i heard it was i did hear it was fun even if it wasn't good but with the reviews i was just like eh, i got better things to do like watching arcane for a second time all the way through which i never do that nine episodes i watched them all twice by myself like i never do that anyway so next is and we're sticking with cody here just kind of the way the points worked out so this is cody's number nine this is
1: basically my prom from last year
0: oh the movie prom yeah okay it wasn't (laughs) a very good
1: movie but i thoroughly i thoroughly enjoyed it because it was just fun the movie is don't look up It has a pretty big cast. It's Leo, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Kate Blanchett, uh, my boy Timothy Chalamet, and Kid Cudi was in it. That was pretty cool. And he has a song in it, too. He's a rapper, if you didn't know that, Richard. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Really good one. I'm old. Yeah. So it's when I did the descriptions, I just copied what IMDb says. It says two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. So the astronauts are Jennifer Lawrence and Leo, and they just kind of go around. No one's taking them seriously. Meryl Streep plays the president, so she's basically playing Trump, is kind of the parody of the whole thing. Um, and then Jonah Hill is her son, who's like the, what is that, uh, what's Leo in Westworld? What's that title? Or West Wing? Or
0: West, West Wing, it's uh Chief of Staff.
1: Chief of Staff, yeah, so that's Jonah Hill. He's an, a moron. So it wasn't, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, great movie, but it was, it made me laugh a lot. Um, and I just had a fun time watching it.
0: Yeah, it, like I said, it is up for best picture. So, like, there is a lot of love for it. But again, I I just thought it felt like an overlong Saturday Night Live skit and a very average
3: one. So, after like five minutes, I was like, yeah, I get it. All right, next yes. commercial break. I liked the performances. I thought that there were good performances. Timothy Chalamet, honestly, I think he was the best my part of the whole movie. Part of yes. the movie. He comes out at the end and stole the show. I loved his character. Yeah. But I, the movie as a whole, I like. Actively dislike. <laughs> I was not a fan. I
2: hate it. I already told Cody this, but yeah, I irrationally hate it, but yes.
3: <laughs> I didn't think that it was good or effective satire. There you like, go. At right. its base level, it didn't accomplish what it's trying to accomplish. And even past that, even being bad satire, it just kind of stumbled into being this like almost propaganda, which. I don't want, it, that sounds pejorative, and like, I, I'm not saying that the message of the movie is bad, because the message of the movie is, be concerned about climate change, and like, listen to scientific evidence, like, those are good things, I just don't think it delivered its message well at all, I I did not like the movie.
0: Right, who's the intended audience for, for that message, right? Yeah. People who already believe that message, so. Right,
3: it's not challenging anything, it's not making anyone think about anything differently. Yeah, but it is funny. It is funny. Jonah Hill's funny in it. Timothy Chalamet's awesome. There are funny performances, but
2: yeah. So my what it wasn't like subtle enough to be like thoughtful, and then it wasn't like over the top enough to be like hilarious. Like I was wanting it to be like *Idiocracy* if it was going to okay. go that route and be like right. super obvious, but it, like like it just totally didn't make sense. Like throughout the films, like I just I couldn't get into it. I never could get into it.
0: Yeah, I was comparing it to *Tree of Life* meets idiocracy and yeah tree of life because similar like to what logan is saying was i just feel like it didn't accomplish what it set out to accomplish or did it in such a heavy-handed way that i just couldn't get into it
3: i also comparing it to idiocracy kind of i think is appropriate because i also don't like that movie kind of for a similar reason is i don't like mean-spirited satire mm. Like, it's okay to say that things are goofy and silly, you know, like, it's... But once you get to the point where you're saying, like, all the things that you believe are correct and anyone else that disagrees with you, are just a fucking idiot. Like, personally, I just don't think that that's interesting or, you know, fun to watch.
0: That does work with, like, South Park, though. South Park does that, effectively. What you just said, where they're kind of mean about it,
3: right? And there are episodes of South Park
0: that I don't like. Well, and that's fair too. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, Cody. Talk more about why you like this movie. That's kind of the whole
1: point (laughs) of this show. Like I said, I just I had a decent, I had a good time watching it. Okay, Um, okay. I will say I did not. I saw way less movies I did this year than I did last year. Life just got kind of busy, so I don't didn't have a lot to choose from. Probably wouldn't be in there if I had seen some more movies. But on the flip side, like there's not a single movie out there that I regret not seeing okay because like i have no desire to see. i mean some yeah, of the don't, movies don't say don't, don't say the I one either. that shall not like, be named like, <laughs> i know i know yeah uh oh that's the one I, okay earlier i was thinking i was thinking what is that movie that they're talking about i think i know what <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and like i have no desire to see it in the heights i don't
0: yeah i don't know so okay fair fair um so moving on we're now to aaron's number eight
2: okay great yeah so that's licorice pizza so Licorice Pizza is basically like a coming-of-age story set in the 70s, and it kind of focuses on the relationship between Alana, who is a 20-something-year-old who refuses to grow up, and then Gary, who is like a teenager, who is a former child actor that is desperate to grow up. And I thought the movie was like super charming and hilarious. Both the main characters were incredible. I think this was the feature film debut for both actors, so like, incredible. They like definitely carried the movie for me. I also liked the like set design and the costuming were really great, really added to the film. And but without ruining the ending, like it borderline ruined the whole film for mm-hmm. me because I think the age gap would have worked if it didn't end that way. You know what I mean? Right, so- they kind of
0: undercut their whole thing. I thought too. Cody and I were just talking about that earlier today. Yeah,
1: and we cut ourselves off from talking about it so we can talk <laughs> about it now. I'm fine, spoil. I'm just- fine spoiling the movie. Okay. Aaron said that she's she's in her twenties, he's in her t- his teens. She's 25, he's 15. That ruined the entire movie for me. That is not okay.
2: Well, and it would have been fine, right? If he just had a crush on an older girl, right? And he kept pursuing her, and she kept saying, like, no, you're too immature. No. Like, I'm trying to grow yes. up to be right. an adult. Their friendship I was on, on
0: board with. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes.
1: Yes, if they were friends, totally fine. And But, like, I texted Richie last night, and I was like, a 25-year-old woman should not be showing her boobs to a 15-year-old kid.
0: It was the 70s! It- <laughs> slash Slash she'd be arrested. Still yeah, still yeah. that's not okay. <laughs> yes. And then Um so hell, yeah, anybody who doesn't want to spoil it, just jump forward about thirty seconds here. Okay. Actually more like four and a half minutes, but honestly, spoilers don't really matter for Licker's Pizza*. though. But if you want to skip it all together, jump to about the thirty three fifty mark. Go.
1: The fact that they got together at the end and kissed at the end, I it ruined the entire movie for me. Yeah, but I will say with Aaron, I agree. Costume was all, like I love seventies clothing. I wish it would come back because I was looking for some the other day. It's really hard to find. And it's expensive <laughs> on eBay because I really want like a crop top, crop top football jersey. But yeah, I just couldn't get over that. It ruined the entire movie.
2: It really is a shame though because Alana was incredible in this film. Like to me, mm-hmm. like again, both actors were great, but she like it was made for her. You know what I mean? And it really was funny and enjoyable and it just sucks that it ended like that
0: and yeah i was kind of surprised it, it was another one that got talks about potential acting nominations and ended up getting none and you actually did not mention the the lead is is it cooper uh hoffman who's philip seymour hoffman's son which uh it's just kind of uh-huh. crazy that, of course then paul thomas anderson worked with his dad so that was kind of cool and like you said the screen debut was kind of cool i wanted though bradley cooper I'm all on board for him. If he, would, if he would have won Best Supporting Actor for his three minutes of screen time, I would have been game. He was <laughs> yes. the best part of... Well, he stood out. He stole the show. And I loved... Uh, and of course, he's playing a real-life person too. Uh, John Peters, I think was his name. His scenes were hilarious. And it was kind of just a fun hanging out movie, kind of like a Nick of Fuse type thing.
2: Yes. A 70s hangout film. Yep, for sure.
3: I heard people saying that they were distracted by all the cameos did that i thought they were fun i thought they were fun they they, they to me they felt yeah. like they vibed with oh, okay
0: the vibe of the movie like i I thought it i thought that was fine
3: all right i actually i didn't see it but i just that was one of the things that i saw in reviews was that there's apparently a lot of cameos from like really big is, is there like a tom hanks cameo and like a or a sean Penn or something
0: sean Penn. yeah yeah uh that was that was nothing good i i enjoyed the cameos actually thoroughly okay they're not distracting.
1: Yeah, actually, I kind of like, I like the whole storyline with Sean Penn.
3: Yeah, and and I don't know, like, I, I, I knew before that it was about, like, the general story and the fact that there was an age gap. I didn't realize, number one, that it was 25 and 15, and number two, that they actually do get romantically involved. That, I don't know if I want to watch it now, that's, uh, that's pretty icky.
2: Yeah, and I just don't know why they didn't make her, like, 19. Because it seemed fitting with her character as well. You know what I mean? She still lived at home. Right, like right. She still struggled to grow up or make him 18 yeah, or 17. Right. Like, Yeah, it was a choice. Yeah, because
3: 25 to 18 is still a big yeah. age gap. Like, you could still make the immaturity work and have them both be legal adults. Yes.
0: Without, right, without wanting her to be arrested, right? <laughs> yes.
3: Yes. Yeah. Like, well, and Richie even said in a
1: text today, but man, can't you make the exact same film with him being 17 and her 20? And you, d- you definitely could. It'd be the exact yes, same movie. Yes, yes. Just without, you know, jail time.
2: <laughs> right. And just to continue, like, I think it goes against, like, all of Alana's growth throughout the film, right? Like, you see her, like, trying to, like, actually grow up, like, after the car scene where they're, like, reversing down, you know, and the moving truck. And, like, she's annoyed with Gary and she, like, tries to progress and, like, kind of move up, like, you know, grow up. And then it's like wiped that all away. And I was like, what was the point of that scene?
0: Right, right. You know? If you don't have a character arc, it seemed to throw that under the bus. And okay, just another spoiler warning for Game of Thrones. <laughs> because it's like it's like in Game of Thrones where they had to have everybody hook up in the last season. It's like, oh, you gotta have Jamie and Brianna of Tarth sleep together for no reason, and that wasn't at all what their relationship was about. And then same with like Arya and Gentry or whatever, like just completely unnecessary, and it was anyway. So similar kind of thing with them. It's like something like, you don't just because you have two, you have a couple. They don't have to become a romantic couple, and sometimes it's a stronger story if you avoid those common things. But Agreed. again, if you, if you like Paul Thomas Anderson, I'd say it's a it's a one of his lightest movies. Actually, probably his lightest movie.
2: Yes, it's very fun. It's fun. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. More in the more in the Boogie Nights kind of Paul Thomas Anderson mm-hmm. uh, world, so I, I do think it's worth watching. I don't
3: know, Boogie Boogie Nights gets dark in some places.
0: Well, so. fair, that's fair. <laughs> this is not as dark as that. You're right. You're right. That's a good point. That's <laughs> spoil Boogie Nights as well. It's twenty some years old, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, probably his, his lightest movie then by far. Let's see. So next is Logan's number eight.
3: Okay, so my number eight is. A movie that Rich and I just did a history and film episode about, The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is uh, Joel Cohen solo directing without Ethan. Uh, Also, the screenplay's by him, but it's basically just Macbeth, the Shakespeare play, but directed by Joel Cohen. It has really, really cool visuals. The whole thing is in black and white. Some of the, honestly, the coolest visuals of the year. It's it's up there. I, maybe some other stuff in other movies that we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, j- and like even for something that's as familiar as Macbeth, it even exceeded my expectations in the like visual and the kind of like the just the feel, the vibes of it were different than any other way that I've ever seen Macbeth either on stage or um, in the other film adaptations, um, specifically the uh, Witches in tragedy macbeth are so cool like the first time you see them it's actually only one witch but then two reflected in the water to make three witches which is (laughs) badass and then uh rich like we talked about where they do the double double toil and trouble scene instead of there being a cauldron the water rises up from the floor and she's sitting in the rafters and dropping the stuff in and then after that scene's over the water recedes back through the floor that's so cool so all of that, plus another thing that I love, uh, Denzel Washington monologues, <laughs> which Denzel Washington doing Shakespeare monologues is, you, you can't beat it. So yeah, I, I really, really like this movie.
2: Yeah, the cinematography was incredible. It's like a study on light and shadow, particularly because it is all in black and white. It was beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's
0: what stood out to me. And Logan and I have talked about it before, it's, it's the, specifically what Aaron just said, the light and the shadow. It, it reminded me of an Ingmar Bergman movie. And yeah, it was probably the coolest movie visually I saw all year. It's just hard for a movie that has a story I'm so familiar with to surprise me. And even though I liked a lot of the (laughs) choices they made, it just didn't blow me away enough to get in my top ten. Although visually, again, it's it's absolutely stunning and I enjoyed it and we'll definitely check it out again. Cody knows not you didn't see it, I'm guessing?
1: I know. I texted you and asked if it was uh in modern English or like Shakespearean (laughs) and you said you're like well technically it's Shakespeare is english and then i was like i don't really want to watch it
3: and it's that's honestly like one of the things that to me counted against it not the fact that it's in shakespearean english like at all but just the fact that it was such a faithful adaptation that they didn't cut any of the stuff that they yeah, probably could yeah. have it could have been streamlined because it's it's pretty much the entire that it's the play in its entirety None of the stuff that, you know, you would think when you're making a movie like, oh, this is kind of going on for a little bit, like just, you know, conversations between minor characters or side characters that you could maybe cut down to two or three minutes end up going on for six or seven minutes, because that's how it's written in the original play. Uh, So that is the reason that it's not higher on my list
0: although i did check with my mom and she said there were a couple things that were cut out so it wasn't a hundred percent but oh yeah yes i don't disagree with the, all that
1: she would know better than me <laughs> one thing i will add in it being in black and white did not at all deter if i was going to watch it or not so i am growing in that aspect too i don't hate adam driver and i'm okay watching nice, black and white movies. Nice.
0: <laughs> i'm trying to remember what other progress things i'm yeah. growing i'm growing up now now sell your taylor Swift cds <laughs> okay, next is my number 8, which I do happen to know is one of Cody's honorable mentions because it was on an earlier version of his list and just recently got bumped. So, I am the only one that have has it on my list. But this is a movie that I just assumed when you hear about it is going to be ridiculous and I have no interest in watching that, but then the scores are solid enough and you hear enough buzz. It's Pig, starring Nicolas Cage, which is just about a man who his truffle-finding pig, he he lives alone in the woods, and his pig is stolen, and so he wants to get his pig back. That's the movie. And (laughs) it's amazing. It's a 97-84 on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's so refreshingly bizarre. I don't know. I just even as I started watching it, I just assumed it wasn't going to work because it, it has this weird, weird tone to it where it's kind of first cow from last year meets fight club where it's <laughs> it's subdued but over the top at the same time. And it just strikes this really, really unique chord. And just when you think it's going to be kind of maybe ultimately pointless there's this poignancy and heart to it and in like the final third i'm just like shaking my head thinking i can't believe they pulled this off this is actually a really good movie cody
2: no he cut out
0: well we're waiting for cody to come back hopefully he comes back right away have either of you two seen it
2: I have not nope
0: okay on uh douglas movies podcast he has a game now where it's uh it's basically a celebrity guessing game. Like you you guess what celebrity he's talking about and he calls the game Where's my pig? And so he tries to do a Nicolas Cage impression and then just gives a clue like, Oh, I'm trying to think. Uh what's the movie we just talked about? Like, did you take my pig before you talked to that high school boy at his school pictures? Like he would like do like uh, he would yes. give clues from movies they're in <laughs> and then eventually, you know, like the last clue is just like did you steal my pig julia roberts and then like julia roberts and like you're just trying to guess the <laughs> guess the celebrity based on yeah the clues that a truffle finding nicholas cage is asking okay we still don't have oh there cody
1: you back okay yeah i had no idea what happened skype just completely closed yeah that happens anyways all i heard you say was cody and then i started talking <laughs> and yeah okay so we'll we'll uh pick up from there yeah cody So when I saw the, I was just looking for a movie to watch and I saw like the little synopsis and it said, old man in the forest tries to find his pig. I was thinking this movie is going to be set like in the 1800s in Oregon.
0: And for the first 10 minutes,
1: you can't, you, you can't tell it's not. Yes, exactly. So I was like, okay, I'll watch it, whatever. I probably won't like it, but I had nothing else going on. And then, yeah, I really ended up enjoying it. I didn't realize it was set in modern times. Um, I thought the story was really cool of how this guy is, uses his pig to make a bunch of money for these restaurants with truffles because it's truffles are crazy expensive, delicious but expensive.
0: So yeah, I enjoyed the movie. It was fun. Yeah. So hopefully we get these two to to watch it now. And <laughs> next we are going to Logan's number seven.
3: All right. So my number seven is uh, actually in keeping with the theme of my number eight. It's another old-timey medieval movie it's uh, the green knight written and directed by david lowry um, which this is the only movie of his that i've seen i know he did ghost story a couple years ago and he has some uh some other ones that are similarly polarizing like this one was people that i know that saw this either really liked it or really didn't like it I would say, Cody, if you haven't seen this, you probably won't like it. It's The English in it is actually older <laughs> than Shakespeare. <laughs> it's oh, no th- no it's thank based you. on a 14th century uh, romance that's written in Middle English called Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. It's really good. The story is almost not even the point of this. The actual timeline of the story itself is kind of hard to pin down, but the language, I thought, was, was pretty cool. Like, the dialogue is is super unique. I'd never seen another movie with that style of dialogue. Cause it, it, it is pretty close to the original, I guess. Um, I haven't read the original story, though, so I'd take that with a grain of salt, I guess. But, yeah, really cool visuals, really cool effects. The costume for the Green Knight itself is awesome. Uh, they did a lot of it practically. There's, again, some really cool, like long one takes uh including one where it it's like a it's like a pan a circular pan around where time passes through like a whole year that was i really liked and yeah it's just mostly just the visuals and the effects i I don't really know how else to describe it if if you haven't seen it i would recommend it but just keep in mind that it's uh it's not it doesn't make a ton of sense don't expect an actual story just go in looking for something cool to actually just watch
0: I am kind of curious to see it. I just again didn't prioritize it based on based on the scores. And the Green Knight and House of Gucci are the only two movies on any of your all's lists that I did not get to see. I'm definitely more curious about the Green Knight than than House of Gucci. But uh, I, 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 a lot of the time when they have these big you know Rotten Tomatoes splits, I, and I just as we mentioned before, I tend to side with the lower whether it's the critic or the audience side. If one's way lower. And I think I told Logan on another episode here where I've seen Ghost Story, the other movie by another one of his movies, and I did not care for that. All this one, I think does have a little better scores. And I am curious because I like the, you know, the King Arthur stuff. So I'd say I catch up to it at some point, but it's just hard to find a time to prioritize it. And hopefully I get around to it.
3: I didn't mention the the main characters basically in the movie is Dev Patel. He's, (laughs) well, he's not the Green Knight. He's Sir Gawain. And then Joel Edgerton is in it. Hmm. He's really good. Alicia Vikander is in it. She's awesome. She actually plays two different characters, which is interesting because she has like a different accent for each one. So one, she's like this lowly peasant kind of like sex worker girl. And then the other one, she's this like lady of this estate in a mansion that he goes to later on in the movie. But yeah, that's my last note. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: Next is Cody's number seven.
1: Uh, my number seven is a movie
0: called Shiva Baby, which I think we've actually all seen. Have we all seen it? Yes. I have not,
3: Rich. I know you told me to watch it multiple
2: times. Oh, okay, I, I,
0: okay, because it was so because it's like seventy-five minutes, so like it, it was an easy one to to knock out. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's super. Easy. Go, ahead, go ahead, Cody.
3: It
1: is starring nobody I know, <laughs> right? And the two main people, their names are Rachel sanat and Danny De Ferrari, or something. I don't know. Anyways, it's it <laughs> whatever. Um. 96 critics 78 audience um this girl goes she's jewish she goes to a jewish funeral service with her parents and she runs into her sugar daddy while there her sugar daddy has a wife and kid and it's just kind of the awkwardness between that uh and then also her ex kind of ex-girl or ex-girlfriend i guess you could say is also there so i just thought it was very funny and i really enjoyed it and it's super easy to watch like richie said it's super short
2: Yeah, I really liked it. It was like an anxiety thriller almost. Yes. (laughs) it was. The acting was great. It was fun. It was like, you know, it took place basically in one room, but still kept me interested. So I thought, you know, that was an accomplishment of the film as well. But yeah, I really liked it.
0: Yeah, it was one I think I... uh, Yeah, so sorry if we spoiled the premise, Logan, because I think I told Cody before you watched it, I was like, I don't even want to tell you exactly what it's about because the premise is a spoiler, only because you meet them as a... As it, it's not, I mean, oh. it's not. It's, it's three minutes in, but like you meet them as a couple, That's fair. and then the the twist, which is really just the starting point of the movie, like the the turn or whatever, is oh, now we're seeing each other outside of that context and have to pretend we don't know each other, and this is really really awkward. And yeah, Aaron phrased it perfectly there. Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable in a way that normally can kind of drive me crazy. And my only knock against it was maybe that it's it's a little too one note but at the same time it felt real enough like it felt like it felt accurate like this is kind of how this would go down a little when she has some maybe some panic attacks and maybe you know things aren't quite super realistic but for the most part it worked and even at the end i'm just like oh my gosh and just it's (laughs) it's, yeah just awkward on top of awkward and who knows what and very well acted and everything's kind of a lot of the looks and across the room everything's subtle and you're kind of picking up on the vibes just like you would in an actual social gathering and just you know the oh what are you doing now and your parents are trying to brag on you but you're not really accomplishing that much and just those awkward things and the the Jewish parents kind of bragging about or competing against each other through their kids and all those dynamics and so it was uncomfortable but in a way that I still recommend. Very kind of British, British humor. Yeah,
1: yeah. I will say this, and I don't know how to phrase this, and I said it in a text to Richie. So I'm just gonna say it. It comes out how it is. I find comedy with Jewish people hilarious because they just seem like such characters when they're not like that's really them. And I just think, I mean, obviously not all Jewish people, but I just that's I think that's part of the reason why I liked it so much is I just love that kind of comedy, and it's not necessarily comedy for them. It's just that's how they are. They're very abrasive especially towards like their kids and stuff. And I think that's part of the reason why I thought it was so funny.
0: Yeah, not too dissimilar than you might see from like stereotypical Asian parents in a a film or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it is a stereotype, but I just, I find stuff like that hilarious.
0: Funnily enough, we are skipping everyone's number six because it means other people have it on their list. So we're actually now going to one of those movies that I kind of mentioned where, what does this count as? This is Logan's number five.
3: Yeah, and I don't even know what I would count this movie as. Um, so my number five is Flea, which is a kind of documentary, kind of historical drama animated movie. But also the whole thing isn't even animated. So basically the the deal with this movie is it's a Danish filmmaker who is interviewing his childhood friend who fled Afghanistan in... The 1980s, when the Soviets invaded, and he's basically just interviewing him about his experiences, his life, what it was like growing up in Afghanistan, what it was like leaving, where he went after, how he got to to Denmark, and it also, as he's telling his story, you then see, um, and, and the whole thing is animated, so even like the interview parts, like the interviewer and the guy who he's interviewing, are both animated characters. And then he'll, it kind of uses the, the interview audio as a voiceover for then these animated scenes that are, you know, with regular voice actors, just like any other animated movie would be. And then those scenes are intercut with actual historical footage of the invasion or Afghanistan in the eighties or Russia in the eighties, or there's a couple of actual historical events. Like there's one where he talks about where they, get put on this boat where they're trying to get smuggled from one country to another and the boat ends up taking on a bunch of water and they get stuck in a different country and apparently that was a, that's an actual event it happened and there's footage of the families in this kind of holding area after this happens but it affected me like emotionally in a way that I did not expect it is absolutely heartbreaking it really showcases the human cost of conflict it's easy when you see something like oh you know this many thousands of refugees or this many millions of refugees are going from this place or fleeing this place or going over here and it's easy to kind of say that's you know oh a million people you can't you don't even can't even wrap your mind around it don't even try um but when you get a story like this of like just this one guy's experience man it is uh it's brutal it's it's absolutely brutal so there's voice actors that do the animated scenes throughout the movie but the main voiceover is the danish interviewer and the actual guy and it's so the whole the whole movie itself is in danish um at least that part of it is except for if you watch it dubbed in english which i did after the first 10 minutes which i normally don't do i normally try to watch whatever movie it is in the language that it's in but with subtitles however in this specific case because Nikolai Costar and Riz Ahmed were executive producers on the movie. Nikolai Costar does the voiceover for the interviewer, and Riz Ahmed does the voiceover for the main character. And so the when I first switched to the English, I was like, we'll see how it is. Like, I'm not sure what the budget for this movie is. I'm doubting that they got, you know, a crazy high caliber of voice actors. And it turns out they're both like A-list actors who killed it and Maybe I even had a better experience than I would have watching the whole thing in Danish. It's really, really good. And I'd be,
0: on your recommendation, I did see it. I, I knew it wasn't going to count it, but because you had praised it so highly, and because it has this unprecedented trio of nominations, it is nominated for Best Documentary, Best animated film and best foreign film at the Oscars because it is all three. It's an animated foreign documentary. Yeah. And when when the Oscar animations first came out, I hadn't heard of this. So I was just like, I guess it sounds silly, but I was like, man, there are a lot of movies named Flea this year <laughs> because <laughs> it didn't cross my mind that it was the same movie. I guess no way this is the same movie. It's the same movie and yeah to logan's point it's it's extremely powerful and highlighting one person's story who went through something millions went through i think is the way to humanize it and it's what do they say one death is a tragedy a million deaths is a statistic so this is kind of that you know by focusing on the one you kind of highlight what the millions went through or however many
3: it also adds the extra i guess heartbreak on top of it is while he's going through this, like lifelong massive refugee crisis where like his father's been abducted and he's worried his family is going to get you know sent back to afghanistan or killed or something he's also trying to figure out like how to tell his family that he's gay for basically oh right as yeah. well
0: add that on top of everything else right on top right
3: of everything else and then in the actual interview he's like talking about how his past is affecting his relationship with his uh fiance. And they're trying to like buy a house and and he's trying to talk to him about his family. But he doesn't want to talk about his family because when he got smuggled through as a kid, they basically said, hey, you can't talk about your family because if you if the government finds out that you have a family, they're going to try and find them. And if they're somewhere else, you're going to get sent back to wherever they are. So like if your mom ended up in, you know, Russia or back in Afghanistan and they find out you have a mom, you're going back. So you can't tell anyone. So he spent his whole life and actually the filmmaker at the beginning in the interviews is like oh i thought all of your family was dead that's that's great that your family's alive and he's like oh well you know actually i can't ever talk about my family i he said i don't talk about my family to anyone
0: and they even say at the beginning like in just like the opening text it's like we've also changed some details so that we are not pointing to a specific person who might be able to be identified if we didn't change them and just little little tweaks like like that and also too i guess the fact that this the person being interviewed who experienced all these things, and I, and I feel bad I don't remember his, his name, but just also the fact that he's like a high-level academic, you know, going to school and doing research and giving lectures in the United States. And then I just think the other thing, too, when people right. think about these faceless masses of refugees, it's just seen as like the poor and the downtrodden and the people who don't necessarily have a lot to give to society. And it's like, no, there's scholars and scientists and people who, you know, the cure to cancer might be a UK- Ukrainian refugee right now. You know, anyway, this it's an important movie to to watch and it represents a much larger whole. And I did what you did, Logan, on, again, on your recommendation. I did go ahead and listen to the dubbed version, which I also am averse to. But for me, it's usually because if a film, a narrative film was in a language with the actors i feel like it's an insult to those actors to not hear their performance but when was a when it's a documentary i felt like that was a little it, I was a little more okay switching that and then also you know what we talked about at the very beginning with the whole idea of how does this count and yeah this definitely blurs those lines when they're so in my mind it was how it was written the script wasn't written it was just in a conversation and that's where i mentioned uh, Spinal Tap. Well, Spinal Tap wasn't necessarily completely written. It was like, hit me, just bullet point scenes, and then you act it out. So it's it's almost, you know, is, is a mockumentary? If a mockumentary counts, why doesn't a documentary count as an actual quote-unquote narrative film? And Anyway, it's, it's, it's interesting.
3: And then with the changes that they made, like right, how much right. of that counts as being a narrative versus being real? Cause it, and you don't know, they never say in the movie what's real and what's changed, obviously. Right, so right. How do you... How do you even parse that? And there
0: are movies based on true stories. So, yeah, it's Sure. It's interesting. It's interesting. So, yeah, we uh would recommend it and I'm guessing you other two have not seen it. No.
2: Where did you guys watch it, I guess?
0: Amazon, I think. It's on Hulu. Oh, Hulu. Okay. Okay.
2: Hulu. Okay.
3: I would just say though it's uh, if you want to watch the English one, it's actually you have to it's a separate movie. Oh, it's not just changing the language yeah, setting yeah. on the actual movie. You have to go find you just search as the English dubbed gotcha. one. Gotcha.
0: Oh, I did that. Just a quick side note, because this is not in anybody's top ten. But I had that issue. I did watch that Jai Bim, that Indian, like that three-hour Indian film.
3: Yeah,
2: I watched it too, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: -hmm. you had to pick, like, which language, but it was the same thing, where, like, each one was, like, posted as a separate movie on Amazon with, like, all the different Hindi dialects. And Mm -hmm. I I honestly, I couldn't figure out if I picked the one it was originally in or not. It was all kind of (laughs) confusing. Neither could I. Yeah, okay. Uh, so i was even like trying to google like what language was this film put in so i think i did the tamil one and i it also had been seen some scenes that looked like they were actually saying it other scenes looked like they were dubbed it was it was okay <laughs> it, yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah anyway uh moving on to cody's number five my
1: number five was tick tick boom it had andrew garfield vanessa hutchins and then no one else that i knew Critic score 87 96 uh, audience it's about the guy that wrote rent. He's on the cusp of his thirtieth birthday, navigating love, friendship, and pressures of life as an artist in New York City. Um, I went into it thinking that I would hate it because I, I always say that I don't like musicals, but then I watch them I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, this is great um, <laughs> I got get that's one thing I got to get over, I guess. So yeah, it was just kind of his life as an artist in New York, also while a lot of his friends are getting AIDS, which I haven't seen Rent, but I think that's a big part of that. Yes. That's like the whole okay. mm-hmm. thing.
3: Yeah. Yes.
1: Okay, that's what I thought. Um, I know the song, the main song, I've just never seen the mm-hmm. show. So, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, It was one of those ones, because I've always said, if I go in with low expectations, a lot Mm -hmm. of times the movie, like, surprises me. If I go in with high expectations, like House of Gucci, I went in with high expectations, wasn't that good. So I think this is one of those where I had low expectations and ended up being pretty good, so that's why I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I liked it as well, and uh, I just didn't really get as emotionally invested as I would have liked, and I don't know why. And and honestly, maybe this is a, a problem with, I did watch it at home versus the theater, and maybe if I had seen it in the theater, it would have made my top ten. But there was one kind of moment near the end where he gets he gets a gift that kind of did make me tear up a little bit. But outside of that, I just kind of felt very disconnected. But it's it's fun. It's it's good.
3: Yeah, the music is good. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see it. I kind of avoided it because I don't like mm. Rent, the movie. Anyways, um, I, I don't know. I, I haven't ever seen it on the stage. Okay. Uh, I, I don't like the movie though. So when I was, like, it's about the creative rent. I was like, okay, like I could probably skip that. But then. <laughs> But then uh I heard number one, a ton of good things about Andrew Garfield's performance, which I really like him. And then also I saw on, you know, Instagram or TikTok, like some short excerpts from the musical parts of the movie. I was like, Oh, okay, these songs actually sound really good. So maybe I will check it out.
2: I think the same thing. I wasn't like I don't think it was as impactful as I was expecting, but I really enjoyed the music. I thought it was good.
3: And I usually do
0: like stories about The 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 story behind a creative project or something like here's how this came about here's how this came about and for some reason one of those about rent felt unnecessary especially when it wasn't actually about rent it's like it's about the guy who will later go on to create rent and it just started feeling like weirdly layered in like a meta way it's like okay we're gonna make a, a story about the guy who makes the who later makes rent and then well oh. then why can't we make a movie about the guy who made the movie about the guy who goes on to later make rent and you could just kind of like you can keep like russian nesting doll it and just kind of do the creation and creation and creation yeah so yeah so rent isn't even in the movie yet
3: so Mm-mm. i was gonna say so the movie isn't even about having has nothing to do with the creation of the musical rent no. correct oh my god okay well then yeah now i want to see it because i thought that's what it was about. i was like oh if it's about the creation of rent i don't like rent so why would i care about how about the guy who wrote but if it doesn't have anything to do with that then yeah i would probably like it and go see it also
0: you need to see rent probably performed because i i haven't seen the movie rent because i heard it was it also didn't have very good reviews but i did see a performance of it even just in wichita and I'm like oh this is awesome. this is good this is a it's a good show
2: rent's a good show yeah go see rent <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, next up is Aaron's number five, and which is also Logan's number nine,
2: okay, cool, yeah, so that would be Old Henry, which is basically a Western film that's about a widow farmer, Henry, who finds a unconscious man who has like a bullet hole and a satchel full of cash, so Henry and his son nurse him back to health, and then like a posse of men came by saying that they're law enforcement and they're like entitled to the money, the satchel full of cash and so Henry is in a conflict of who who he should trust, right? This man that he found, or these uh, these men proclaiming to be law enforcement. And so I think this is so high on my list because it does an amazing job with how low budget if it is, if you go and look. Mm,
0: yeah. yeah. And it does an
2: amazing job with like a tiny cast. It's like a solid script, an incredible score. Love the cinematography, like the wide shots, um, and then Tim Blake Nelson is just like absolutely incredible. And like he sold this movie to me. Like, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if Logan, you have anything else to add?
3: I love this movie. It's like Western John Wick. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like with the with the gunfighting and the fast, you know, shoot em up, bang. Oh, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> I will say, and Rich, this is something that we talked about before, and I've watched it again since then, so I guess, spoiler alert.
0: Yeah, spoiler alert. Jump ahead in about a minute or so, yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Old Henry in the movie is actually Billy the Kid. Mm -hmm. Basically, this is like an alternate history movie where Billy the Kid actually was like kind of let, he escaped or was let go. And if, (laughs) if you are watching the movie and you know that Billy the Kid's real name is Henry McCarty... Mm. Then the first time they say his name, you're like, "This is Billy the Kid," because that's they. I first and last name they say Henry McCarty like within the first fifteen mm. minutes. So it's like, oh, this is Billy the Kid, and then they have all the illusions. It is like, well, yeah, because they're trying to say that he's Billy the Kid, and then at the end, it's like, and the big twist is that he's Billy the Kid, and it's like, yeah, they said his <laughs> name at the beginning <laughs> of the movie, so that I. Because of that, I initially wasn't going to have it on my list. However, I did go back and watch it again, and I was like, all right, just pretend that you don't know that Henry McCarty is Billy the Kid's <laughs> real name, and it works. It really works. Um, even the twist works. Yeah, this movie's awesome.
0: See, and I'm the other way or third way where I loved it, and I didn't know, I did not know Billy the Kid's real name. I thought it was William Bonnie. Is that something else? What's William Bonnie again?
3: It's another pseudonym.
0: Uh, okay, so I was familiar with the William name William Bonnie, but I I hadn't heard the other name, so I I didn't like the twist. Like I actually loved the movie, and the twist ruined it for me. I thought that was too heavy handed, and I thought it was a cooler story if he had just been there and he was around. Or he was the guy who killed Billy the Kid, or there was some other connection that they were kind of alluding to. The fact that they kind of jumped—it was like they. Jump the shark in a movie, but like I felt it was too much. I was like, I I rolled my eyes. So I like I thought the tone was perfect. Everything Aaron said is is exactly true, and then the twist. I was just like, oh, that's lame, and so it lost me completely. And honestly, it'd probably be in my top ten for sure if it wasn't for the twist. I, I did really really enjoy it.
3: Well, there there is also a second twist. There's a twist that he's Billy the Kid, but then there's also the twist that the guy that they've been had at their house the whole time is actually oh right you know
0: i'm I'm good with all that yeah that was all good
3: yeah so there's another there's two twists so like either one can work i i think it works i think it works more than i thought it did the first time but i was confused i didn't know that i wasn't supposed to know that there was that
0: Um, (laughs) guessing cody did not see it no i don't even know who billy the kid is so you guys lost me there (laughs) (laughs) okay um and then uh aaron any final thoughts then
2: no, no, like I said, it, it is kind of incredible when you look on how low budget it was. You're like, oh, like, you know, a true, like, indie film, right? That makes, like, a good story with what it has, right. you know? So I have to throw some points towards that as well.
0: Um, so next is Logan's number four.
3: All righty. So my number four, this is another one where we can have a discussion about what counts as a movie. But my number four is Bo Burnham's Inside. Uh, his Netflix special from this year. I can't say enough good things about Bo Burnham. I have been watching Bo Burnham YouTube videos since like probably two thousand eight or two thousand nine, and then I love his comedy stuff. His stand up is awesome, and then he also happens to be a really talented filmmaker. Eighth grade, his directorial debut was great. Yep. Um, I really liked his performance last year in, uh, or I guess was two years ago now in Promising Young Woman, where he's almost like a villain character. And I was really excited when I saw that he was coming out with a new special, and I thought it was going to be, you know, something a lot more along the lines of, like, Make Happy or his other, you know, just more straight up, you know, comedy, musical stuff. But it is unlike anything that I've ever seen. It is basically the perfect representation of all of the mental anxiety and anguish and the feeling of being inside and in quarantine during the pandemic. Basically, the background of it is for, like, five years before he made this special, he was not performing because he was having panic attacks, his anxiety was so bad, he could not get on stage without basically having a mental breakdown every single time. So he took, like, five years off, he was, you know, seeking help, and um, he, he has a... One of the songs in the special is about this exact thing. But so he decides, all right, I'm going to come back. I'm I'm doing a lot better. I'm going to start performing. And it's January of 2020. <laughs> and so it's like he goes right from, you know, getting his mental health in order and getting ready to get back on track and start performing again. And this massive global pandemic hits and he's forced to basically stay inside. And so this is like it's hilarious and also really dark And um, it's honestly kind of hard to watch. It's it's not something where you're going to go back to it over and over again, like maybe some of his previous specials, if you, you know, watch stand-up, like a stand-up over and over. I know I've watched Make Happy probably a hundred times, but I can't watch Inside over and over like that. But it's not just, it's not just him like saying, oh, I'm really sad or like even just making fun of stuff. There are songs in it where he's making fun of something, but at the same time shows all of the ways that that specific thing is, you know, can be used in like a genuinely useful and human way. Like in the white woman Instagram song, it's like at the first verse or whatever, he's like making fun of all the stuff that like, you know, your typical white girl puts on their Instagram. And it's like, oh, haha, this is fun. Like he's just, you know, kind of poking fun at the at the stereotypical, you know white girl instagram uh but then in the middle it like it goes into this part where it's a post about a girl who lost her mom and it's like oh so actually he's in while he's making fun of social media he's also talking about how it can be used to help cope with things like grief or the loss of somebody and at the same time then this is just a testament to how good of a filmmaker he is the aspect ratio for that whole scene is square mm. because an instagram square picture is a square but during that, it widens out to cinematic and then closes back in when he then goes back and starts making fun of white girl Instagram again. Yeah, it's it's so good. I, I can't say enough good things about it. I I hope that he keeps making movies and keeps making specials like this because it's it's awesome.
0: I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said I just didn't count it as a narrative feature film. Fair. But I agree that it's also not just a comedy special. Like, it's just not. It is a work of art. And he shows genius levels of not just songwriting, but filmmaking, like you said. And yeah, no, I've, yeah, everything Logan just said, ditto for me. I just don't count it as a feature film. (laughs) Cody Aaron?
2: Yeah, I liked it as well. I really enjoyed it. It was definitely thought it was going to be a little lighter when I went in and like I was not expecting that. And I was like, you weren't expecting an existential Uh, (laughs) crisis for
0: 90 minutes.
2: (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like you guys noted the filmmaking, I was actually super impressed with, especially because he stayed within that one room. It was like incredible, like how many, how many different things he did with that. Right. You know, so creative. But yeah,
0: his budget was just his time and mostly equipment he might have already owned. Yeah. Like it's possible the budget was zero yes. and just equipment he already owned and then
3: his time. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. Right.
3: Because he, it's, and he does stuff with like projectors and lasers and lights and different camera angles and. In his freaking it, house. Man, it's unreal. Yes. And it's, it, it talks about isolation and mental health and mortality. I think when he was shooting it, didn't he turn 30? Yes. Well, it's, he filmed it. He filmed it.
1: Yeah. There's a song.
3: Yeah. And there's like a scene of him actually turning 30 where he's sitting there like in his room. I think he's even in his underwear <laughs> and he has the clock and it's like counting down. And once it hits midnight, then he makes us goes into the song about how we just turned 30. And he's like, Oh my God, dude, it's, <laughs> it's heavy. It's a heavy, heavy special. Okay. So I,
1: I, I enjoyed it. It was great. I agree with everything. Everyone said so far, <laughs> I don't, I don't call it a move. It's to me, it's not a movie. So that's why it's not on my top 10 list, but it, pro- it was one of the most enjoyable experiences I had this year. The only hard part for me was I should have watched it first because I had already heard all the songs. Oh. Because I, because I, I too like Logan have listened. I honestly think the reason we both know Bo Burnham is probably from Sam Kasner.
3: <laughs> probably, yeah. Yep,
1: that's how I. That's how I found out about it. Started watching the YouTube videos. Had the CD. Aaron, I guarantee you, we listened to that CD at the golf course because yes. I remember <laughs> I gave it. I gave it to Tucker O'Hare to listen to and his mom found it and listened to it and got really mad because it is not appropriate <laughs> so i just i ha- it was the i think it was Bo, uh, Bo nose like the one that had that song on there so it was just harder for me to enjoy that because i'd already heard all the songs on spotify i'd already listened to it already yeah
0: that's tough yeah
1: and then but one th- one thing i noticed with watching it because i just watched it a couple days ago how many of those songs are now used on tiktok
3: oh really? Oh, yeah
1: like so many yeah. and i just it, i'd never put it together because some of them don't sound like him because he you know changes voice or whatever auto-tune yeah. or whatever yeah yes yeah. yeah so like watching it and i'm like oh that's a tiktok song oh that's a tiktok song like there's mo- like almost the entire thing is people cut from it and uh have used it for tiktok so i that i thought was really cool just noticing that after the fact
0: that reminds me of what i always say about casablanca where you've watched it for the first time you're like oh my god this is so lame every every line is so cliche and then you're like no because this is where all those lines came from so you're like oh oh, yeah Yeah. he's the the og and then and then yeah so you're like oh man all these songs are just tiktok songs bo is not very original you're like oh no bo wrote all those songs (laughs) that have all gone viral yeah because he's brilliant yeah no yeah I, i dug it a lot it's yeah highly highly recommend
3: that's a good point though about the music because even though I have I've pr- I've only watched it I think three times only <laughs> uh, but I have the album on my Spotify and I listen to it all the time like I love those songs oh yeah mm-hmm. I, I'm
0: sitting here just uh, kind of going in my head right now I only seen it once and I still how can I have them in my head you know anything and everything all the time and all that kind of stuff it's like oh yeah so good so good yep okay next we go to Aaron's number four which is also Logan's number ten.
2: Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's the Power of the Dog. So, the Power of the Dog is set in 1920s and focuses on two brothers, Phil and George, who own a ranch in Montana. And basically, tensions rise as George brings home a new wife and her son. And I think tension is the key word for this film. Um, watching it, there's like this constant sense of like looming dread. The score, in particular, is like spectacular. It really created that uneasy feeling throughout the film. And the cinematography was also great. Like it had really great expansive landscape shots as well. But I would almost characterize it as like a psychological drama. Like Phil's character arc and really captures like how imprisoned he is by like his Masculinity. Suppression of emotions. Yes. And his masculinity. And yeah, I also loved like the ending. I thought it was like a great, especially with how tense it was. I thought that was like a great way to end that film. Um, But yeah, I really liked it.
0: And we'll come back to the ending. Let's. Keep it general and then we'll do a spoiler warning for this one too. But so Logan, since you had it on your list as well, kind of go again without getting spoilers yet.
3: So I initially had this higher on my list. I, I couldn't I couldn't bump it off my list entirely because it was just too good. The cinematography was too good, the performances were too good. But it's pretty slow. And and that's not I mean, it's it's a slow burn, like that's the idea, but it's like a slow. <laughs> burn. Like it's it takes a long time to get to mm-hmm. where it's going, and especially like when they're they start dropping the clues for like what's gonna happen at the end. Well, once you get enough of those, you're like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. Yeah, and then it's like you look at, it, it's like, oh, there's 40 minutes of this movie left, <laughs> and it's yeah, I I really liked it it's a well-made movie Mm -hmm. i I can't i can't say anything against how the movie itself was made it's just i think it's like maybe 25 minutes too long Mm -hmm. Mm. cody let him have it. my turn
1: uh i hated this movie (laughs) (laughs) um and it's actually funny so this morning uh i went upstairs to go make breakfast and my roommate who is older and doesn't really understand technology he's like hey do we have netflix i'm like well i have netflix do you want to use it (laughs) And was like, yeah, I want to wa- watch this movie called uh, Power of the Dog. I was like, oh, it's terrible. Don't watch it. And um, I did I did set it up for him. I actually think he's watching it right now. Oh. <laughs> Richie and I talked about it. I hated every single person in the movie. Like, every every character. There's not a single good person in this movie. And I and that just really, I just hated it. There's no one I was rooting for. They all just very much annoyed me. And then I just, yeah, couldn't get over that. One side note, though, that I found interesting. Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons are, like, they've been together since 2016, and they're engaged, and I had no idea about that. So I just thought that was crazy.
2: Oh, it's just, I don't have a problem when I hate everyone in a movie, I guess. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> I guess that's, uh, if it's good, yeah, I don't mind.
3: <laughs> that's a good point. I, I guess I didn't bring that up, because I didn't know that that was, like, that's, yeah, that's not necessarily a negative to me either. Like, I I agree, everyone in this movie sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't rooting for any of them, but... I guess I the only one I kind of felt bad for was maybe Kirsten Dunst. Yes, but I don't. I didn't really like her necessarily. But I will say, and this is you know kind of going on a big tangent. But the uh, the scene with the piano banjo duel mm-hmm. was awesome. Yes. <laughs> I like that a lot. You think you're thinking of Deliverance? No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Different banjo duel. I don't necessarily have to have someone I can root for in a movie. But just, I don't know, it was just something about everyone just being, a ter- even like Game of Thrones, like my favorite character is uh, Cersei, and she's a terrible person, and I normally can get behind <laughs> terrible people, but I just couldn't, I, I don't know, I just, just since I didn't have anybody that I even remotely liked, I was just very turned off by it.
0: And this is one where I'm actually going to echo Cody, but I'm going to do it a little more tact tactfully. <laughs> So I respect that this is a very, very well-made movie, and I have no problem with the likely outcome that Jane Campion is going to win Best Director for this, which is going to be kind of cool to see a woman win Best Director two years in a row after Chloe Zhao last year was just the second woman ever, I believe. So I'm on board with that. Great, great, great filmmaking. And also, like Cody said, I don't necessarily have to have someone to root for, but if you're going to do both... You're going to be a glacial burn. And also, I don't like anyone. <laughs> 30 minutes in, I'm like, why am I watching this movie? This is painful beyond anything. I do not care. Why am I watching this movie? And the only reason I even kept watching this movie was because, well, it's probably going to be nominated for Best Picture by all accounts. So I guess I'll finish it up. And, the yeah, so, like, technically, it's brilliant. But I actively disliked the story and the characters and everything about what i wanted i mean everything i wanted to get out of a movie and this just kind of had none of none yeah so i actively disliked it as well so
2: do you think if it had like a quicker build up to you know the point of the movie towards the end you would have enjoyed it more like
0: Yes, let's let's transition into the spoilers. We'll say another minute or two, jump forward. Just got sorry, it is one spoilers. Just got to jump all around until they hear us talking about something else. But or just just go watch just go watch the movies first. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so I I honestly I just feel like I didn't even like the character progression. So like it seemed the idea that. Benedict Cumberbatch's character was a closeted homosexual I'm like okay that's fine but it also seemed too easy but also then like the the transition from he goes from okay I'm gonna pick on this kid who seems kind of effeminate because I know secretly I'm homosexual and I'm just gonna keep picking on him and then the moment that kid stumbles on my stash of like not exactly pornography but my you know kind of like gay magazines or whatever oh now I'm gonna start like buddying up to him so I'm like was he gonna like kill him because he found out his secret Oh no, he's actually actively like wanting to pursue a relationship, but if that was your goal, then why would you start that from the beginning? The kid finding your stuff would be, would not be need to be a trigger for that and so I just found all of those little things just kind of annoying and inconsistent and the whole thing was just kind of pointless and I hated it and sure, the way the kid figures out how to how to secretly kill him without getting caught again we're we'll willing to spoil our territory I'm like. That was a neat way to try to kill someone. But also we didn't set up that he was homicidal about the guy other than we kind of see him killing a rabbit at one point. The whole thing <laughs> is a mess
3: and I did not like it. <laughs> I wonder how much of that is lost in translation from, because isn't it based on a novel? Mm-hmm. I, you know, honestly, I'm very curious to read the book. Like, I think I might like the book. I, I wonder if the book works really well and just the stuff they chose to cut out makes the movie not work as well on a narrative level. I could see that. I could definitely see that. And I, I'd
0: heard that the book is ba- it's books from like the 60s, um, which I think is kind of cool. It's not that's not a recent book. It's like a 50-year-old book. And that I'd also heard the author did write it based off of not true stories necessarily, but like family stories. Mm-hmm. So like stuff that had happened to his family or family friends in the 1920s in Montana. And he kind of wrote the novel based on that. So I'm kind of curious on that aspect of the things. But yeah, the movie just did not work for me. I, but I see, I kind of get the appeal and I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> But I definitely like, I I like talking about it as much as I was kind of just like ragging on it. Like when, when, as soon as I finished it, I was just like, okay, I hated that, but I need someone to watch it so I can talk about it. Like I I definitely wanted to talk about it. Um, Maybe similar to like, I think this one maybe did make my top 10 a few years back, but did y'all see Nocturnal Animals with Amy Adams a handful of years ago? Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. Same kind of thing where it's very, very uncomfortable and you kind of just don't really like anybody. But I also like really wanted to talk about it. But yeah, anyway. Okay, any other thoughts on Power of the Dog? Or even maybe kind of talk about Oscar expectations for it? Because it is, it is currently the favorite to win Best Picture.
3: It is? Is it really?
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. And that and that's what kind of, that's what surprises me as well. The fact that it's, it's so polarizing. I get that it's nominated. I absolutely get it. Just like I kind of get the Tree of Life was nominated. But I don't see how this wins because I felt like it's going to be, it's going to be this polarizing split. Where, yeah, it'll get past the first few rounds. But at some point... No one's going to have this movie. I say Aaron has that as number four. But like even in my mind, most people are going to have it as their number one or not on their top 10 at all. Mm-hmm. Versus other movies that I think are maybe up. It's kind of like how a green book ends up winning because it's not necessarily the number one favorite, but it's everybody's number three. And so it ends up right. winning Best Picture. And I don't see how Power of the Dog gets over that hump. But the prognosticators, like if you're a Vegas betting odds, this is the favorite to win. <laughs>
3: Maybe the biggest thing it has going for it is that it's going up against, like, Don't Look Up and that other movie (laughs) that we're not going to talk about.
2: There's some good ones, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so we'll we'll get to some of those here coming up still, too. And for time purposes, we're going to split this episode here. We've talked about the first 13 of our 23, leaving just the top 10, which is basically everyone's top three. And I think Cody's number four. But we will... Gets all that here in the next episode.